Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning. This is James Flippin filling in for Noah Layden on this Tuesday. It's January 2nd. Here's your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast to kick things off. Skies are clear around the tri-state this morning with light wind. We'll get up to 42 degrees later today, and skies will be sunny overnight into Wednesday, mostly clear, falling to 32. Tomorrow, Wednesday, mostly sunny with a high near 45. And then Thursday, clouds will give way to sun, topping out at 43. 30 degrees right now in Midtown Manhattan, 27 in Waldwick, New Jersey, and 29 in West Hempstead out on Long Island. That's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So yesterday, Curtis Sliwa was handing out his Yoko Ono Awards for 2023, dishonoring what he considers the worst performances in terms of singing by 77 WABC on-air talent throughout the last year throughout 2023 and in essence what he's saying is he doesn't want our hosts singing anymore and there was a portion that he highlighted that i figured i'd play for you so you kind of get the idea and dominic carter here with you in for james golden you know folks i am a fan of uh boy george and and his music uh that was one of his uh biggest hits uh comma chameleon or something like that but Red, gold, and green, red, gold, and green. Anyway. And although I didn't stay for the later portion of that night last month when the office held its Christmas party here at 77 WABC Studios, we did have the night get some karaoke going. And all of this reminded me that I was out on Long Island this past Friday visiting a couple college buddies, and we went to a local bar. This was in Belmore in Nassau County, and there was karaoke at this bar. And time after time, we waited and we wanted there to be a good singer amongst the bunch. And it just wasn't happening. I actually told my one buddy that I was with, this is what it sounds like when you sing. You should take note of this. And there was one woman, I will say, she was pretty good. She did Madonna. But other than that, you know, sometimes you just want that really good voice to come up and surprise you at karaoke. And it can happen. But it did not last Friday night in Belmore. Just about a 20-minute drive from there at JFK International Airport, pro-Palestinian protesters tried to block access for passengers yesterday. There was a caravan of dozens of cars with Palestinian flags and other writings, uh, you know, I guess decorations, if you will, on those cars. They began appearing on Queens highways leading to JFK Airport. Yesterday afternoon, and cops did begin limiting access to terminals. They closed the air train for several hours. And at one point, I know cops were basically uh, requiring that you showed them your boarding pass before even getting on the air train. And the NYPD did take to social media, trying to warn passengers to leave extra if they were heading out to the airport. The group later moved to LaGuardia, and a protest did target the Manhattan headquarters of Israeli airline El Al. Passengers are speaking out. From what we saw, were only dozens, but I'm sure inside there was a lot more because they had to block off all entrances to the LIR train station from the air train connection and the even LIR uh, train lobby, station lobby, was blocked off due to these protests. So they couldn't get, travelers couldn't get to the air train? Exactly, at all. Bob Brown speaking with the passengers that have been impacted there. And, yeah, I mean, look, this is one of those things where last week on Wednesday we had about 25 protesters get arrested at J- uh, JFK. It was the same type of thing, a pro-Palestinian protest, and Port Authority cops eventually took people into custody. You can't go around disturbing people's lives like this and expect that people are going to respect your First Amendment rights. In other words, 
you have a right to speak out and be heard and all that kind of stuff, but you can't do it while negatively impacting other people's lives. And blocking access to the airport certainly qualifies. The blockade was a big deal because it, it clearly disrupted travel today, and that's what their main goal was. And unfortunately, they got it achieved. I was going up to travelers, and I said, what was going on? And they said, yeah, these protesters were blocking our way into the air train. And uh, that's when I knew things were, were really chaotic over the Jamaica LAR air train. Our own Bob Brown spoke to this guy extensively. He continued. A lot of confused travelers being redirected by the Port Authority and the police department, NYPD doing a great job. I mean, it was just kind of chaos. All these people with their luggage trying to get home from the New Year's and holidays. Yeah, of course, it was one of the busiest travel days of the year, and in and around this time of year, you say that often. Yesterday, we also found out that as far as Sunday night, New Year's Eve, there was just one arrest made as some of these pro-Palestinian protests had unfolded around New York City, up at Grand Central Terminal, and down at uh, Macy's Herald Square, of course, in and around Times Square. But at Macy's, there was really a group just kind of marauding and rampaging through the store that night. They set off smoke bombs, red smoke bombs. They were marching through, holding signs, wearing those kafias. And, again, I just don't understand how that's not something that gets you arrested. You know, it's all well and good to protest and even be out in public streets and stuff like that, but you're walking through Macy's and setting off smoke bombs? I don't understand. Anyway, reports out of Japan say upwards of 30,000 people are without power as a result of yesterday's 7.6 magnitude earthquake that struck in the western region of that country, and we've got some details coming up on that. We've also got some sound from a guest, Dave Spector, who was on overnight with Frank Morano. He's a journalist out there in Japan, and we'll get the latest from him with tens of thousands now without power as a result of that earthquake. Good morning, everybody. 5.08 on this Tuesday, January 2nd. So in the western portion of Japan, after that major earthquake struck yesterday on a peninsula along the western coast of Japan, a tsunami on the smaller side did result as people rushed to get to higher ground yesterday in Japan. The Pacific Tsunami Warning Center says Hawaii was not threatened following that earthquake off Japan. It was off the coast of Ishikawa, and it triggered a series of strong aftershocks, trapping people under collapsed buildings. Tsunami alerts issued along the Sea of Japan. They were later downgraded to advisories, and officials have cautioned locals about the possibility of major aftershocks over the next week or so. And we know there are rescuers who say it's been very difficult to access the northern tip of the Noto Peninsula, where this epicenter was. And helicopters have discovered fires, widespread damage to buildings and infrastructure. Basically, you know, the roads are so damaged that it's difficult to get to the region. And one spokesperson says there was, at last count, maybe about 120 people awaiting rescue. Al Jazeera reporting that in Suzu, a coastal town of just about 5,000 houses near the quake's epicenter, as many as 1,000 homes may be destroyed, and that's according to its mayor. So on the other side of midnight with Frank Murano, Dave Spector joined as a guest. He's an American who lives in Japan and works there as a TV host, a radio host, a journalist, he told Frank about what's going on through his eyes. And the earthquake happened on the other side of Japan, as you look at it from, from Tokyo, but it's not that far. It's about two hours by the uh, the super-fast train, or five hours by car. The earthquake, even though it was felt in Tokyo, was quite large, and it, it continued for about two minutes, and the building that I'm in was swaying like you're on, an, on a, a boat, you know, for uh, about two minutes, and that, that itself is very scary, because you're not sure exactly where the epicenter is or what's going to happen. So people in Tokyo were also very uh, affected by the earthquake, uh, even though it happened elsewhere. It was around 4 o'clock local time when it happened, and it was over that Noto Peninsula along the West Coast. So, like you heard Dave Spector say there, hours away from Tokyo, and he continued as far as the damage he's observed. The NHK, which is sort of the um, national broadcaster, like the BBC, has 24-hour coverage at the moment. And a lot of the structures were very old. They're wooden structures. Some of them are historic, so they didn't rebuild. 
And by that nature, a lot of the homes simply are not sturdy. Uh, most of the construction now in Japan is quite earthquake-proof, and uh, tall, even tall buildings are, are very safe. But um, older structures, especially residents or older um, stores uh, in the tourist areas, are um, simply not very um, strongly built. So they, they collapse uh, rather easily, and all the tiles fall off. And Dave Spector, again, he's uh, one of the guests that was on with Frank Morano overnight. He says the biggest issue right now is it's not just buildings that are damaged. Oh, I promise you he said it, but whether or not it's going to happen, that's up to this machine here. All right, well, you get that whole interview with Dave Spector as a podcast at at WABCradio.com. And it sounds like there's tens of thousands there without power in Japan. Dozens may still need to be rescued and thousands of buildings appear to be destroyed at this point. So obviously um, still more to find out, more to come in Japan. And Dave Spector said, like I was pointing out, it's not just the buildings having issues. As you see with any earthquake, the roads are in, in very bad shape. So a lot of the repair work that needs to be done is, is going to be hampered until the roads are cleared. So that's that's another factor. Uh, fortunately, the trains are moving. The, the, the famous bullet train is, is moving. So that that's good in itself. Dozens may still need to be rescued. Thousands of buildings destroyed. It is worth noting, as Dave Spector said, much of the island hardened against earthquake concerns. And in terms of blackouts, back here at home, 77 WABC owner-operator John Katsimatidi sent me this story overnight, reporting by the Telegraph out of the U.K. Last week, the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, that's the body in charge of U.S. and Canadian grid reliability, published its latest 10-year outlook, saying that sharp increases in peak demand forecasts for energy and the potential for higher generator retirements are raising concern for electric reliability over the next 10 years. Of course, this is something we've heard about for a long time, and it seems like any time one of those summer blackouts happen or we get through a heat wave and everybody's cranking their air conditioner and still running all those appliances, you kind of worry about the health of the power grid. This regulator projecting electricity shortfalls in areas where legacy generator requirements won't be uh, will be coming offline before replacements are built to meet rising demand. Again, that reporting out of the Telegraph out of the U.K. Staying international here for a second, Israel will be withdrawing several thousand troops from the Gaza Strip. The IDF made that announcement yesterday, noting the nearly three-month war between Israel and Hamas has taken a growing toll on the Israeli economy. More than 85% of Gaza's residents have been displaced from homes. That's according to the United Nations. The fighting, in general, has left more than 20,000 people dead. In South Korea, opposition party leader Lee Jae-myung was stabbed in the neck yesterday during a visit to the southern port city of Busan. Lee, the chief of the main opposition Democratic Party, was conscious while being airlifted to the hospital. He was attacked by an unidentified man during a tour of a proposed airport site. Lee left with a gash in his neck about one centimeter long. The suspected attacker, a man in his 50s or 60s, wore a paper crown with Lee's name printed on it before attacking. He had been amongst a group asking for autographs and photos. And the attacker was quickly subdued and arrested right there at the scene. According to one organizer at yesterday's polar bear plunge in Coney Island, about 4,000 brave swimmers took part. And shout out to the New York Post on that headline. It was the 121st annual polar bear plunge for the Coney Island Polar Bear Club. It felt great. The whole experience, the whole cold. Leave all that behind, and I'm not sure there's a better way to do that than to jump into the cold ocean on January 1st. Yeah, there were Speedos, traditional bathing suits, and winter coats out there among the Coney Island sand dwellers. The club has hosted that event since 1903, and when the final tally comes in, it could be a record, partly thanks to unseasonably warm temperatures yesterday in the mid-40s. WABC News Time, 515. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on this Tuesday, January 2nd. And we welcome back Justin Ellick as we turn to the sports desk right now. What's up, Justin? What's going on, uh, Flippin? It's good to be back. Good to hear your voice again. And uh, we're back here into the swing of things. Uh, happy 2024. Yeah, happy 2024. And also, 
um, I made sure that the Eagles game was scheduled the day before you came back. In other words, you didn't have to report on it yesterday. You can just kind of leave that out. The who? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're off my radar. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Can we get to... Uh, in other sports. Yeah, in other sports. Thank God. Jesus. Starting on the gridiron here at the uh, collegiate level. Get out of professional football here for a few days. We're next Monday night's college football playoff national championship is now set and ready after last night's semifinals in the Sugar and Rose Bowls in Pasadena. Top-seeded Michigan outlasted number 4 Alabama in a 27-20 overtime thriller thanks to a game-tying drive in the fourth quarter and game-winning drive in overtime led by Wolverines quarterback J.J. McCarthy. The win secures undefeated Michigan's first-ever appearance in the college football playoff national championship game. They'll take on number two Washington with their 37 to 31 win over number three Texas in last night's Sugar Bowl semifinal. Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. turned in one of the most dominant performances in college football history, throwing for 430 yards. Good for the fourth best passing game in college football playoff history. The win will pave the way to next Monday night's national title game against Michigan, where they'll take a shot at their first national title. Since 1991, locally on the hardwood last night, OG Ananobi received a nice ovation as he was walked, uh, as he walked, I should say, to the bench after fouling out of his strong debut with the Knicks in their 112 to 106 victory over the visiting Minnesota Timberwolves. Ananobi registered tw- uh, 17 for his exit, while Julius Randle led all scoring with his 39 points and a route to the victory that snaps a three-game losing streak for New York. Tonight, the Nets open their new year against the Pelicans with an 8 p.m. tip-off in New Orleans. And finally, on the ice, the Rangers and Islanders are both back in action tonight. The Rangers will welcome in the Carolina Hurricanes for a 7 p.m. puck drop before the Islanders pay visit to the Avalanche in Colorado at 9 p.m. That is Sports James, and I'm Justin Ellick uh, in 2024 on 77 at WABC. And let me say, you sound excellent in 2024. Well, thank you. You know, I don't have to worry about uh, worry about the Eagles doing anything. No, uh, of any significance. This it's season, like so. like you said, off your radar. Right, totally not even off a my blip. radar. I'm not even. I don't even. You know, I wouldn't even like really invest any energy into these no, upcoming no, games. Absolutely not. Right. That's nothing like because that's not a team that's going anywhere. You know, my God. Well, anyway. I don't know about that. We'll see about that. One. <laughs> There's like, still time to turn it around. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the uh, ever optimist James Flippin. Back, <laughs> back to you. WABC News Time five eighteen. WABC News Time five twenty. James Flippin filling in for Noam this morning. So coming off those roadways, and as we are now into the 2024 calendar year, some things are going up. But it's not a positive if you're one of the tri-state's motorists. New Jersey drivers will soon be paying more to cross the Hudson and Delaware Rivers. Port Authority bridge and tunnel tolls going up by 63 cents beginning Sunday, January 7th. City bike prices are going up on a staggered basis. This month, annual membership will cost $220 beginning January 29th. That is up $15. And Connecticut's bottle deposit fee doubled from a nickel to a dime. Supporters hope the increased refund amount will reduce trash and encourage more recycling. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. And we just got our sports report within the last few minutes as well. One thing not included has nothing to do with on-the-field results, but rather in connection to an alleged crime. As MLB star Wander Franco, a shortstop who's on the restricted list with the Tampa Bay Rays, is reportedly under arrest in the Dominican Republic. That's according to multiple reports after the player appeared at the district attorney's office in Puerto Plata on Monday morning. Franco is accused of having inappropriate relationships with underage girls, and that's what led to him being placed on administrative leave in August as Major League Baseball investigated those allegations. And it's worth noting, by the way, that Franco signed, I think it was like a $185 million contract, 10-year contract, some two or three years ago, the biggest contract that the Tampa Bay Rays have ever given. And baseball reporter Hector Gomez says Franco will be arraigned today, and prosecutors plan to request he be kept in jail without bail. Apparently, I think what happened was it was some sort of a Instagram video or TikTok or something like that that originally led to Franco being accused of this kind of thing. And, you know, then, like we said, in August, he was placed on administrative leave, Now it's gotten all the way to the point where he's gotten arrested. And I think it was late last week, maybe, or it could have been early this week, where prosecutors and authorities tried to raid his home and his mom's home, and they didn't find Franco there. Fitness. That remains the top New Year's resolution. 
as we head into 2024. According to a Forbes Health New Year's resolution survey, 48% of Americans plan to improve their fitness, making it the most popular goal. Other common resolutions include improving finances, improving mental health, losing weight, and improving one's diet. Less popular goals include traveling more, meditating regularly, drinking less alcohol, and performing better at work. Nika Magahis, NBC News Radio. And as many people settle into their new year and pursue those resolutions, gyms expect to be busier over the next few months. People trying to get healthier start of the year. Dustin McGyver was among a group of people waiting outside of Planet Fitness where there was a long line opening on New Year's Day, and that was at around 5 a.m. Dustin says making yourself do hard things is good. This bleeds into every other aspect of your life, and there's something about working out on New Year's Day. There's no bunch of people are at home not feeling well, hungover, and here you are, 5 a.m. at the gym, just bettering yourself. Doing hard things. That is a saying my late grandfather on my father's side had. It's hard, but it's fair. And many gyms are offering promotions to start the year in a bid to get people off the couch and back to working out. Brandon Bertoia manages the Planet Fitness where Dustin was getting his pump on. We don't judge anybody. We welcome all people from any kind of fitness level, whether you're just getting off the couch or you've been working out for years. We offer a little bit of everything for everybody. Sticking with matters of health. Well, we're just coming off the most wonderful time of the year. This isn't so nice. Federal health officials say flu cases are on the rise across the country. According to the CDC's weekly influenza report, there was a 16% jump in the number of people testing positive last week. Over a dozen states, including New York, have reported very high levels of respiratory illness. And nearly 20 other states have levels classified as high. The CDC noting six pediatric deaths, bringing the total to 20 so far this flu season. And it's a new year. With that comes what's known as dry January. I am participating in that trend, by the way. Kind of much to my chagrin, but, you know, my husband is really into it. And, I, you know, it makes sense. There are a lot of health benefits during the month-long challenge. Health officials urging people to stop drinking alcohol or at least cut back. The research firm Morning Consult says about 90% of those taking part in dry January do so seeking health benefits, but 73% do so to save money. One in six New Yorkers admit to binge drinking or excessive alcohol consumption. That's part of an annual survey developed by the CDC. It was conducted by phone across New York and other states. Nearly 15% of New Yorkers admit to binge drinking. And 5.5% admit to heavy drinking. That means 8 drinks or more a week for women, 15 or more for men. White, non-Hispanic adults report the highest rates of excessive drinking, especially men. And like we said, dry January is all about either stopping drinking entirely or maybe cutting back. Heavy drinking associated with a number of health problems, hypertension or high blood pressure are one of them, heart disease, stroke, liver damage, and various cancers. Well, very high good cholesterol levels are being linked to an increased risk of dementia in older people. Research published in Lancet, a British medical journal, shows the elevated risk is as much as 42% in seniors with very high levels of HDL cholesterol, or so-called good cholesterol. Healthy HDL in men is considered 40 milligrams or higher, and in women it's 50 milligrams or higher. In this study of more than 16,000 adults, 80 milligrams and up was considered very high. I'm Brian Shook. The maker of a formula for babies with allergies to cow's milk, recalling the product over the potential for bacteria c- contamination. Corporate leaders with Reckitt Mead Johnson say some batches of their Nutrimagen powder have been affected. The recall applies to some 12.6 and 19.8 ounce cans of the formula with a use date by January 1st, 2025. The company says there have not been any reports of actual bacteria contamination or illness associated with the product, but full details are available searching FDA.gov. WABC News Time, 527. James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden this morning. And, well, former President Trump has provided an update as some people were curious and asking questions as to why former First Lady Melania Trump was not in the family Christmas photo. She reportedly wasn't present at the Mar-a-Lago New Year's Eve bash either. And former President Trump has since explained, he said Melania was by her ailing mother's side in the hospital. The 
ex-First Lady, has been largely absent from her husband's 2024 campaign and court appearances amid his various legal troubles, but uh, apparently Melania tending to her ailing mother at this point. When we come back, we've got a controversy concerning MAGA on New Year's Eve, and also a woman speaking out on TikTok after being released from prison after she was convicted of murdering her mom, or at least conspiring to murder her mom. And then more on all the chaos that unfolded at JFK Airport yesterday as part of those pro-Palestinian protests. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning, James Flippin, filling in for Noam Layden on this Tuesday, January 2nd. Here's your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast. Skies clear around the tri-state this morning with light wind getting up to 42 degrees later today. Skies will be sunny. Overnight into Wednesday, mostly clear, falling to 32. Tomorrow, Wednesday, mostly sunny with a high near 45. And then Thursday, clouds give way to sun, topping out at 43. 29 degrees in Midtown Manhattan, 26 in Waldwick, New Jersey, 28 in West Hempstead on Long Island. That's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So on New Year's Eve, and this became more a news story yesterday, New Year's Day, kind of showing these New Year's Eve shows maybe aren't what they used to be in terms of kind of how many people watching or paying attention in terms of relevance. But rock group Green Day performed as one of the network's shows on New Year's Eve. By the way, that was the first CD I ever purchased with my own money. Lou Ruffino, Dookie, in 1994. The first time I ever actually, at a record store, when that was still a thing. You are fake news. (laughs) Released in January of that year, actually. And lead singer Billy Joe Armstrong, he was belting out one of their now signature hits, American Idiot, during that New Year's Eve performance. I believe that entire album was made into a Broadway play. Uh, He altered the lyrics a little bit, did Billy Joe Armstrong, in a new and edgy way that'll really knock your socks off. He's not part of the MAGA agenda, the original lyrics being redneck agenda. And whoa, aren't we shocked and surprised? Because didn't that need clarifying that he is not part of the MAGA agenda? It's an election year, so get ready for this. My least favorite is the vote efforts, the get out the vote, which translates to vote Democrat. We know that. It gets blasted around like it's a bipartisan thing, which is hilarious, but it's always like on MTV or it's probably probably heavily on TikTok these days. And speaking of TikTok, the woman whose plot to kill her mom was turned into a Hulu miniseries is now speaking out, and that's for the first time since being released from prison last week. In a video posted to TikTok, 32-year-old Gypsy Rose Blanchard thanked her followers for their support and said she has a lot of great things happening really soon. She also talked about her upcoming Lifetime docuseries, The Prison Confessions of Gypsy Rose Blanchard, which begins on January 8th. Blanchard served eight years in prison for her role in the murder of her mother, Claudine Dede Blanchard, and the woman's ex-boyfriend, I guess, was convicted of the crime. She's since remarried. And the Hulu miniseries, miniseries, I should say, that tells her story became a hit. Basically, I guess the the backstory here is the mom who was killed, Claudine D.D. Blanchard, had Munchausen by proxy syndrome, if you've heard of that. And in essence, that's when parents have convinced themselves that their kids are sick, even though they're not. And I guess there's any number of reasons why that would be the case, whether they're kind of hypochondriacs themselves or they like the attention, whatever. Um, But there will be this upcoming Lifetime docuseries concerning Gypsy Rose Blanchard and the show on Hulu already a hit. And there will be harsher punishments in 2024 for people convicted of distributing fentanyl 
Under a new California law, the law increases the penalty for selling or distributing more than one kilogram of fentanyl by adding three years to the original sentence. The penalties increase with the amount of fentanyl with an additional 25 years automatically added to a person's sentence for trafficking weights above 80 kilograms. The law comes as overdose rates rise in the state. Fentanyl, which is a powerful synthetic opioid, can be deadly even in small doses and is the leading cause of overdose deaths in California. I'm Dina Kodiak. And as officials in Israel admit the war between Israel and Hamas has affected the Israeli economy, and the IDF is pulling troops out of the Gaza Strip, a demonstration of the pro-Palestinian variety unfolded yesterday at JFK Airport here in New York. Pro-Palestinian protesters flooding roads leading to JFK on New Year's Day, one of the busiest travel days of the year. A large protest leading to air train service being blocked at Jamaica. 77 WC News speaking exclusively with this traveler. From what we saw were only dozens, but I'm sure inside there was a lot more because they had to block off all entrances to the LIR train station from the air train connection and the even LIRR uh, train lobby, station lobby, was blocked off due to these protests. So they couldn't get, travelers couldn't get to the air train. Exactly, at all. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. And like we told you, Israel is withdrawing several thousand troops from the Gaza Strip. The IDF making that announcement yesterday, noting the nearly three-month war is taking a growing toll on the Israeli economy. Back here at home, GOP presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy doubling down on claims he'll withdraw from ballots entirely in states that remove former President Trump from the primary ballot. And that's something that's already happened in Colorado and Maine. And in an interview with News Nation yesterday, Ramaswamy says his goal is to nullify those states that have taken that step to remove Trump from ballots under the uh, supposed connection to the 14th Amendment and the Insurrection Clause, which dates back to the Civil War. A medical discovery from the University of California, San Diego could spell the end of acne. Researchers at UC San Diego say they've created a vaccine that may end acne. Dr. George Liu is associated with UCSD's Division of Pediatric Infectious Diseases. He told NBC7 researchers have targeted a key component that drives acne and the vaccine attacks it. He says this vaccine may be on the market in 5 to 10 years. I'm Bree Tennis. WABC News Time 539. James Flippin here with you on the 5 a.m. News Hour. With upward of 30,000 people without power in western Japan as a result of yesterday's 7.6 magnitude earthquake over the Noto Peninsula, dramatic images of a Japan Airlines plane engulfed in flames are now making the rounds this morning. Flight 516 apparently collided with a Japanese Coast Guard aircraft as it was attempting to land at an airport in Tokyo. And then it streaked across the runway on fire. The airline says nearly 380 passengers and crew members were all able to evacuate. However, five members of the Coast Guard crew are unaccounted for. Checking in on financial news as we are getting closer to the first trading day of 2024 when the opening bell rings this morning, kicking off the first trading day of the new year. The will be abbreviated trading week was closed yesterday for the New Year's holiday, and when trading wound down Friday, stocks had slipped, but it was a positive year overall for stocks. And pay raises are coming for many in the new year. The minimum wage going up in 22 states, where nearly 10 million people will see, will see their wages go up. And, of course, that is also a factor in inflation, but workers in California, New York, and Hawaii account for 51% of those getting a bump in pay. And as for New York... South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham stepping up his campaign against a bill in the New York legislature up in Albany that would require new restaurants at highway rest stops to be open seven days a week. The South Carolina Republican focusing his attack on the effect the bill would have on Chick-fil-A. The fast food chain has a longstanding policy of closing on Sundays in observance of the Christian Sabbath so its employees can worship if they so choose. And in Thursday Fox and Friends interview and later a post on X, Senator Graham said to people in New York who are pushing this, you're in for a hell of a fight. Portable blender company BlendJet says one of its products poses a danger to customers, and that's according to statements from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, BlendJet voluntarily recalling nearly 5 million of its BlendJet 2 blenders, and these were sold at Amazon, Costco, Target, and Walmart, so might want to check and see if they're one of your products 
And apparently products currently on sale aren't impacted, but previous versions of the blender do risk overheating or blades breaking. So if you're using them, you're asked to stop. A California man and his 10-year-old son faced charges after the boy allegedly shot and killed another child with his dad's gun. Police say they found the 10-year-old victim unresponsive. This was in a parking lot in Sacramento when responding to reports of a shooting. The child taken to an area hospital where he was pronounced dead. The father of House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, a New York congressman, has passed away. Marlon Jeffries died on Sunday at the age of 85. And an effort is underway to save the declining Joshua Tree Forest. An estimated 2.5 million Joshua trees have died from wildfires in the Mojave Desert, which spans California, Nevada, Arizona, and Utah, and it's the only place in the world where Joshua trees grow. Governor Kathy Hochul of New York says the state is now number one in recruiting and retaining Army National Guard soldiers. The New York National Guard earned a score of 118% last year, with 100% indicating the state had exceeded federal recruiting goals. There are nearly 11,000 soldiers currently serving in the New York National Guard. Governor Hochul says they've repeatedly proven they'll be there in times of crisis with the resources to keep their communities safe. And, of course, New York also sends those New York National Guard members to other states, other parts of the world, when national disasters hit. And you can set your calendar. I know so many of you are when it comes to this one. Governor Hochul will deliver the annual State of the State address next week at 1 o'clock p.m. on Tuesday, January 9th at the State Capitol in Albany. Hochul will use the address to lay out her priorities for the coming year. And state lawmakers, they return to Albany this Wednesday, beginning the 2024 legislative session. Out in Los Angeles, Acton Ian Zaring from the series Beverly Hills 90210, well, he ended 2023 in a scuffle. Zering, best known for his role as Steve Sanders in the hit TV show, has been caught on camera in a fight with a group of people riding mini bikes on New Year's Eve. The police responded to Hollywood Boulevard where the incident unfolded. In a TMZ-obtained video, the bikers are riding past Ian's car, possibly clipping it and sparking the all-out fight. There are no arrests, but an official report lists Zering as the victim. I'm Brooks Walker. Maine Secretary of State Shenna Bellows says she was recently victimized following her controversial decision to bar former President Donald Trump from Maine's Republican presidential primary ballot. Bellows says her home was targeted by a swatting incident and that she has received numerous threats since last week's announcement. She and her family apparently left their home to stay at an undisclosed location over the weekend. This after someone posted her address online. Meanwhile, some Republicans in the Maine legislature are looking to impeach Bellows over her decision. I'm Mark Mayfield. And here in 2024, America will eventually hold an election for president. And that's no matter who is on the ballot. If there ever was room for a third-party presidential candidate, 2024 is the year. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. initially launched a Democratic primary challenge to President Biden in April before switching to an independent bid in October. They like the message to end the vitriol, to end the poison, and the polarization and to start finding, to start focusing on the values that we have in common. A recent Quinnipiac poll had him at an impressive 22% when matched up with Biden and Trump. That may have sparked the interest of West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin, who recently announced he is not seeking re-election. When America is at her best, we get things done by putting country before party, working across the aisle and finding common ground. Instead, Manchin is said to be entertaining the idea of also entering the race as a third-party candidate. In Washington, I'm Brian Shook. WABC News Time 545, and that means it's time to check in on the sports desk. Justin Ellick is sitting there. He's ready to go with this report. Justin? Thank you, James Fulton. Start here on the gridiron at the collegiate level. Or next Monday night's college football playoff national championship is now set and ready after last night's semifinals uh, in the Sugar and Rose Bowls in Pasadena. Top-seeded Michigan outlasted number 4 Alabama in a 27-20 overtime thriller thanks to a game-tying drive in the fourth quarter and a game-winning drive in overtime led by Wolverines quarterback J.J. McCarthy. The win secures undefeated Michigan's first-ever appearance in the college football playoff national championship 
game. They'll take on number two Washington uh, with their 37-31 win over number three Texas in last night's Sugar Bowl semifinal. Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. turned in one of the most dominant performances in college football playoff history, throwing for 430 yards, good for the fourth best passing game in CFP history. The win will pave the way to next Monday night's national title game against Michigan, where they'll take a shot at their first national title, uh, Washington, that is, since 1991. Locally on the hardwood last night, OG Ananobi received a nice ovation as he walked to the bench after fouling out of his strong debut with the Knicks in their uh, 112-106 victory over the uh, visiting Minnesota Timberwolves. Ananobi registered 17 before his exit, while Julius Randle led all scoring with his 39 points and wrapped to the victory. That snaps a three-game losing streak for New York. Tonight, the Nets open their new year against the Pelicans with an 8 p.m. tip-off in New Orleans. And finally, on the ice, the Rangers and Islanders. They're both back in action tonight. The Rangers will welcome in the Carolina Hurricanes for a 7 p.m. puck drop before the Islanders pay a visit to the Avalanche in Colorado at 9 p.m. James, that's sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Thank you, Justin. WABC News Time 549 on this Tuesday, January 2nd. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden. And cops now believe a New Year's crash that killed two people and injured five following a concert in Rochester, New York, may be a possible act of terrorism. The accident involved three vehicles early Monday morning, one of which exploded. And that investigation continues. Migrants are reportedly skirting around a New York City rule by using the train And officials in New Jersey communities say migrants on buses have been arriving at various train stations in recent days, and migrants have then taken trains into New York City. This is potentially in response to a new executive order from Mayor Adams, which says that charter bus companies could be fined and have their vehicles impounded if they don't drop migrants off in between 8.30 a.m. and noon on weekdays. They're also supposed to give 32 hours notice. So apparently right now those charter bus companies are just dropping people off at the airport, or I should say train station in Secaucus, and then those people are taking the train into Manhattan. Out at JFK Airport in Queens yesterday, pro-Palestinian protesters tried to block access for frustrated flyers. Shut it down. That was their point, I guess. A caravan of dozens of cars with Palestinian flags. They started appearing on Queens highways leading to JFK Airport yesterday afternoon. And cops, in response, they limited access to terminals. They closed the air train for several hours. People also had to show their boarding pass just to get on the air train at one point. The NYPD took to social media and warned passengers to leave extra time before leaving for the airport. That group of protesters later moved to LaGuardia Airport, and a later protest targeted the Manhattan headquarters of Israeli airline El Al. Passengers speaking out, and in fact, our own Bob Brown spoke to one exclusively. From what we saw, were only dozens, but I'm sure inside there was a lot more because they had to block off all entrances to the LIR train station from the air train connection and the even LIR uh, train lobby, station lobby, was blocked off due to these protests. So they couldn't get, travelers couldn't get to the air train? Exactly, at all. The blockade was a a big deal because it it clearly disrupted travel today, and that's what their main goal was, and unfortunately, they got it achieved. So, yeah, protest, disruption, uh, demonstration, whatever you want to call it. Unfortunately, in instances like this, it's not just about First Amendment rights, but people getting their day disrupted in a big way. Uh, You know, it's criminal to do stuff like that and this guy continued in terms of what happened yesterday at jfk i was going to travelers and i said what was going on and they said yeah these protesters were blocking our way into the air train and uh that's when i knew things were were really chaotic over the jamaica lar air train a lot of confused travelers being redirected by the port authority and the police department nypd doing a great job i mean it was just kind of chaos all these people with their luggage trying to get home from the new year's and holidays And yesterday we found out from the NYPD that just one arrest was made on Sunday night as pro-Palestinian protests unfolded on New Year's Eve around New York City. And that arrest that was made, the lone arrest, was for a noise complaint of some kind, which I think it was Andrew Giuliani who made the point yesterday, like a noise complaint on New Year's Eve is what gets you arrested. But uh, there was a group that rampaged through Macy's at Herald Square. They set off smoke bombs. They were marching through the store. 
speaking on a loudspeaker, as you hear there. And apparently the arrest that was made, the lone arrest, was not at Macy's. At least 48 people are dead after a powerful magnitude 7.6 earthquake hit western Japan yesterday on the first day of the new year. Thousands of buildings damaged. Officials are warning that more quakes and aftershocks could be to come. More than 100 aftershocks have already been recorded. And in response to Monday's quake, Japan's prime minister has dispatched 1,000 soldiers to disaster zones And that's in a bid to help in rescue efforts. As reports say, upwards of 30,000 are without power. And this is mostly on a peninsula along the western coast. A tsunami on the smaller side triggered yesterday, a three-foot-high tsunami. People did rush to get to higher ground. As tsunami warnings came in, they were later downgraded. The Pacific Tsunami Warning Center says Hawaii was never threatened. And the quake off the coast of Ishikawa triggered a series of strong aftershocks, trapping people under collapsed buildings. Officials cautioning, like we said, more major aftershocks could come over the next week or so. And rescuers say it's just been very difficult to access the northern tip of the Noto Peninsula. Helicopter surveys being used right now to look in on fires and widespread damage to buildings and infrastructure. At one point, we knew there were at least 120 people awaiting actively awaiting rescue. And in Suzu, there's a About 5,000 households there in that coastal town, as many as 1,000 homes, may be destroyed. And on the other side of midnight this morning, Dave Spector joined Frank Murano as a guest. He's an American, but he's lived in Japan for years, where he's on TV, he's a radio host, he's a journalist, and he told Frank what he's seeing right now. And the earthquake happened on the other side of Japan, as you look at it from from Tokyo, but it's not that far. It's about two hours by the uh, the super fast train or five hours by car. The earthquake, even though it was felt in Tokyo, was quite large, and it, it continued for about two minutes. And the building that I'm in was swaying like you're on an, on a, a boat, you know, for uh, about two minutes. And that that itself is very scary because you're not sure exactly where the epicenter is or what's going to happen. So people in Tokyo were also very uh, affected by the earthquake, uh, even though it happened elsewhere. And Dave Spector, the entire interview available as a podcast at WABCRadio.com, he more or less said, you know, look, in the western part, a lot of older buildings there, you know, old wooden structures that had no chance uh, with an earthquake like this. Most of the island, I guess, has been hardened against earthquakes. But Dave says the biggest issue right now is it's not just buildings dealing with damage. As you see with any earthquake, the roads are in, in very bad shape. So a lot of the repair work that needs to be done is, is going to be hampered until the roads are cleared. So that's that's another factor. Well, fortunately, the trains are moving. The, the, the famous bullet train is, is moving. So that that's good in itself. So 48 dead. That's the confirmed total right now. 30,000 without power. Thousands of buildings appear to be destroyed, and dozens may still be in need of rescue. And meanwhile, this is something totally unrelated. But in Tokyo, dramatic images of a Japan Airlines plane engulfed in flames are making the rounds as of this morning. Flight 516 apparently collided with a Japanese Coast Guard aircraft as it was... My apologies. Mark, take it away. ...these Coast Guard aircraft as it was attempting to land at a Tokyo airport, then streaked across the runway on fire... The airline says the nearly 380 passengers and crew members were all able to evacuate. However, five members of the Coast Guard crew are unaccounted for. I'm Mark Mayfield. Yeah, some 300 people on that plane obviously able to get away uh, safely, but still some questions as to the other aircraft. And up in Rochester, federal authorities are investigating that New Year's crash that killed two people and injured five following a concert. And apparently investigators now say this could be an act of terrorism. The accident involved three vehicles early yesterday morning. One of them exploded, and first responders found at least a dozen canisters of gasoline in and around the car that exploded. That has investigators looking into the matter as a potential act of terrorism. WABC News Time, 557. WABC News Time, 558 on this Tuesday, January Second, we are into 2024 here, and an author from California's Bay Area feeling the wrath of Swifties on the Internet. Anne Lamott posted on X Friday that in the new year, she's looking forward to reading less about Taylor Swift. But she's since deleted that post after users shared their disappointment in Lamott for bashing another woman. 
And she's since offered up an apology and says she's going to try to do better. Now, one thing I'm pretty sure of is that our news guy extraordinaire, who also happens to be the executive producer of Sid and Friends in the Morning, can't promise not to include Taylor Swift in his upcoming sports reports. Is can't, that fair to say? Can't promise not to include. I can always promise not to include Taylor Swift. Oh, you I, don't include Taylor Swift. I don't do that. Oh, well, good. Well, she's got nothing to do with sports other than dating Travis Kelsey. Well, and, then Anne Lamott and you have something in common, because right. maybe you're looking forward to reading less about Taylor Swift. And despite the Chiefs clinching that division this weekend, they're, you know, not as uh, dominant as they have no. been in years past. You no, could, maybe a little bit of a changing in the guard in the NFL. Right, you could almost attribute that maybe to a uh, sort of distraction. Ooh, a oh, curse, whoa, perhaps. Whoa, 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 The, mo- the Maloika, as somebody <laughs> around these parts would say. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, Justin, what's coming up this morning on uh, Sid and Friends in the Morning as Sid makes his triumphant return? Indeed, indeed. Uh, it's been a nice week off, but we're back ready to go in 2024. Sid's back as well. Lewis, back in the chair behind the glass, and uh, I'm back as well. So the whole crew back and ready to go congratulations yes birds <laughs> bottom of each hour uh of course you don't want to miss our wabc minicast clip of the day today featuring the cats and cosby program in the way of guests uh with his first appearance with sid in 2024 it'll be curtis lua kicking things off at 7 10 this morning before rich lowry at 7 45 for his weekly hit with sid We'll do Lizzie Savetsky give us an update on some of the uh, stuff she's talking about regarding Israel at 8.15. 8.45, we'll do uh, America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani on the program for his weekly Tuesday morning segment with Sid. Joe Tacopino will join us at 9.15 before Bernie Kosar at 9.30. Talk some sports. That's coming up, James, on Sid and Friends in the Morning. We're back and ready to go. All right, 29 degrees in Midtown Manhattan. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning on the 5 a.m. news hour. 48 dead in that earthquake in Japan. Israel pulling troops out of the Gaza Strip. And migrants are using trains to get around Mayor Adams' bus rules. So stay tuned for Sit and Friends of the Morning coming up on this Tuesday, January 2nd. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.